Welcome in to another Sunday edition of the Commitment Issues Podcast. I'm Woody Womack, joined by the man himself back from a long absence from the podcast, Dave Lackford. Dave, how's it going? It's going good, man. Let's get it going. It's good to be back. Yeah, we had originally planned to have somebody from uh, Oregon on to talk with me about this, but if you think someone from Oregon is getting up at 8 in the morning after that game last night to talk about that loss, sorry, uh, it's not going to happen. So once again, the, the curse of the podcast continues as four straight weeks. I have asked someone on Saturday to come on the podcast on Sunday, and that team is lost. So next week, if I come for you, uh, you better watch out uh, if I invite you to come on the Sunday show. We want to remind everybody, leave us a review on iTunes. Tell a friend. We do these shows on Sunday for you. Give the people something to listen to on the drive on Monday morning. Catch up on all the games, and we're going to jump right into it, Dave. We're going to talk about that Stanford-Oregon game first and foremost. Boy, I for, for me, I was thinking this was a revelation. It was looking like I had never seen you know Oregon stand up to Stanford like that, even in the days when... Oregon would beat Stanford. It would be, hey, they're running by them. They're blowing by them. This was a purely physical game. And honestly, they were they were blowing them up. I mean, the, the game was getting out of hand. I think it was 24 to 7. Oregon goes into score to make it 31 to 7 in a, in a controversial uh, overturn of a touchdown, which I think ended up being the right call. I think there were some issues explaining it. Uh, during the broadcast, but the the guy touched the pylon with his foot. The ball hadn't crossed the line. They put it back on the one-yard line. Oregon then has two bad snaps, including one that goes over the quarterback's head and gets returned for a touchdown. The next thing you know, it's 24-14 instead of 31-7. The comeback was on. Oregon holds them off. Looks like they're going to run out the clock. They run a running play. The running back fumbles with like 50 seconds left. Stanford gets it back one timeout, comes down the field, kicks a field goal. Goes to overtime and Stanford wins. Really a crushing defeat, Dave. I mean, when was the last time you saw that kind of comeback? And I mean, that that really – talk about a gut punch uh, to, to the Oregon play, fans, players, everybody, right? Yeah, you, you hate to lose one like that. <laughs> uh, especially when you look at that last drive when they fumble and – they could have just taken a knee, punted the ball. Stanford would have got the ball back with like under 20 seconds left, right? So it's just kind of one of those things where you're you're sitting there and you say, why would you do that? And then you end up losing. And, and you know, it, it reminded me of um, J.R. Smith in the, in the finals when he, when, he, when he gets the ball and he just runs out and LeBron's like, what are you doing? You know, and the famous meme of LeBron. And then um, it, it's the same kind of vein right there where it's just all you had to do was just kneel the ball down. Uh, as far as the um, kicking the pylon, they said that the pylon is out of bounds, like you said. And when the foot hit the pylon, the ball wasn't across the plane. And that was the correct call. But on social media, a lot of the Oregon people uh, that we work with, uh, they, they kept on harping on the fact that that call cost Oregon the game. Well, not really. Not at all. Don't don't snap the ball over your six foot six quarterback's head on the next play, you know. Also... I'm going to do this. I hate doing this, but it's what I always do when I see this happen. Why are you in the shotgun on the one yard line like that when you have a six foot six quarterback and your line is dominating? Their line was was giving it to Stanford. So why not just call the sneak three times in a row? I, I don't get it. But, oh, it, take my, what, my bad. What happened? <laughs> the, uh, 
the video on the Oregon Stanford box score thing clicked on. Oh, okay. Well, so if you look at the game, I mean, you look at uh, at Justin Herbert, especially. I mean, he was he was you know I think at one point he was fourteen of fifteen. He finished the game twenty six of thirty three for three forty six and a touchdown. There was an interception on the last. I think it was the last play of the uh, the game when it got tipped up in the air. Fourth down they, in overtime. Right. I think they went away from him. Uh, I think they went away from him, and they got too conservative in the second half. I mean, they ran it 49 times. They threw it 33. A lot of those throws came late, though. Uh, I think the third quarter, they kind of went into a shell a little bit. And that, that's that's the thing, though. That's part of learning how to, to, how to be a good coach. I mean – you know, you forget Mario Cristobal hasn't been a coach in ten years. He, you know, he hasn't been he hasn't been running the team. They had no they had no tests uh, in the in the non conference games that they played, and they came in here. I, I personally think if if I'm an Oregon fan, sure I'm crushed from the loss, especially the way it went down. But you have to look at the team and think, okay, we got the right coach. We got the right coach, and now we can go toe to toe with Stanford in his first year. I mean, th- two years ago, these guys were, were having Mark Helfrich as the coach running that system, and all they've changed everything in, in two years, and they just went toe-to-toe with Stanford and, and dominated them and should have won the game. So, you know, I don't think anybody expected Oregon to win the national championship this year, right? <laughs> no, I didn't I didn't have them penciled in. The right. Playoffs. So if, if, if Herbert comes back next year, I think you would say they're they're going to be a main playoff contender. Basically, I mean, obviously they have to respond to this game, but I mean, I think I think there's no question they're a top twenty, top fifteen team this season, and they've got a ton of talent. And I I, I don't know, man. I, I think I think they're good. I think they're good. I think Stanford Stanford's been in these games before. Oregon has not played as as they reminded us during College Game Day and all that stuff. Oregon hasn't been in a game like this in four years basically since they you know they went to the national championship then they had the year after that with vernon adams where he kind of held everything together and since then it's been a disaster so here's the here's the issue though herbert's not coming back herbert might be the number one pick in the nfl draft and i think that's the big equalizer here is you have this generational quarterback playing for you didn't he get hurt last year and miss significant time yeah, he missed a lot of time, yeah. Okay, so look, here's what it is. Herbert, at one point in this game, had thrown two interceptions, I think, in regulation late in the fourth quarter, right? The guy is laser accurate. I mean, is he better than Mariota as a passer? I, I think he is. I don't know if he's as dynamic a runner, but he's one of those long striders who eats up a lot of turf once he gets going, right? So this is a guy that can do it all. He's he's prototypical NFL size. And like you said, they were using him efficiently, and they were just pulling away from Stanford. Now, the score was what, 24-7 to before that fumble? Yeah. And then Stanford strikes right back. Uh, they get a lucky catch by, uh, I think it's Trent Irwin. The, the receiver yeah. uh, before before the uh, before Bryce Love finally uh, got in the end zone. And so right there, that's such a significant swing because you're right there on the one. If they score, the game's over, but instead they just strike right back. So I think the tendency is, whether it's a first-year coach or you know uh, a 10-year coach, it's kind of the go into a shell. Okay, let's shut this down. Let's protect what's going on here and try to get out of here and survive in advance, as they say. But Stanford is an opportunistic team. I mean, I think I think that Oregon – I think Stanford had more turnovers in Oregon, yes? Uh, yeah, I think so. I think they fumbled it 
uh, well, I guess it, it might have been actually you might know because Oregon had more turnovers because they f- they fumbled on the last play basically of regulation uh, right. right and they okay. threw an interception in overtime so right there you go opportunistic so they they get that fumble they they okay so here's what it is this is Stanford this is we've been here before team right so the ball goes over old boy's head right and they get lucky on that but hey look you get some luck you gotta you gotta cash that luck in you know the luck the luck is like a check. It, you know, you got to go cash that into the bank, you know, so they return that fumble for a touchdown, right? Good to go. Then, um, then they get a stop and, uh, they, they go right down the field on the punt. They get a decent punt return. Irwin get, gets that nice catch. And then, uh, love breaks a long one out. So now it's 24 to 21. And so you're, you're kind of in panic mode, but then Oregon responds, right? And they go all the way down the field on 11 play, 70 yard drive to eat 611 off the clock, right? It's 31 to 21. And you're thinking to yourself, that's the right response. We, we had a, a, a nice drive and um, we're back. We're up by 10. Everything's cool. But then KJ Costello kicks it in a high gear and they go three plays for 79 yards. And he hits your boy, Arcega Whiteside, for a 15-yard touchdown, it's 31-28. And that's when we get to the part where the brain fart happens, right? The explosive brain fart where all you got to do is kneel the ball. They're going to eat all their timeouts, and you punt the ball. They get the ball with 10 seconds left. You don't. Old boy fumbles the rock, and the game was over then. It was just like like I said with the with the J.R. Smith thing where like you knew that you knew that Golden State was going to win it at overtime because they were just looking discombobulated and besides themselves, and that's exactly what happened. So, I mean, learning experience for the for the Ducks, cool. Do I call the Ducks a young team? No, not really, because I think Herbert is really the is really the catalyst for everything they do, and I don't see him coming back. So, I don't see the future as rosy as you do for the old Ducks. Sorry about that. Well, so, I mean, let's take a look. You know, first we should say I think Stanford. Before we before we talk about them, Stanford is now, in my opinion, fully in the playoff conversation. You know, the the mm-hmm. fake news media may say uh, no, <laughs> they're not. But if you if you they're four and zero, they're the number seven team in the country. Okay, they play Notre Dame next week. Right. So if if you beat Oregon and Notre Dame on back to back weeks, and then they still play Washington, who's a top ten team. And they go undefeated. They're in the playoff. I don't care. If they don't lose a game, they're in. And they dominated USC, too. That was a convincing win over USC. I mean, they only gave up three points. Right. Exactly. So, you know, I saw, I I think Pat Forty tweeted something. He might have deleted it when he thought Oregon had won. And he said, you know, Oregon's wins, they're back, blah, blah, blah. Pac-12 playoff hopes on life support. It's like. Why would they be even if Oregon won? They're then they're undefeated and they just beat a top ten team and they're going to be ranked really high. So I'm I don't really like this narrative of this conference is eliminated from the playoff. I mean, didn't we do that the year that Ohio State won the national championship? Oh, the Big Ten's eliminated. Yeah. They don't. I mean, let's not do that four weeks into the season, please. So uh, to wrap up Stanford, uh, they've been through this before. They have a great coach. They didn't, like you said, they still had to take advantage of the opportunities. Uh, they come out, they win the game. And I think, I personally think now, I guess, uh, you know, some ESPN analytics now has them uh, as the third best chance of, uh, or no, excuse me, has them moving up. They moved up 7% and now they have an 11% chance of making the playoff, which looks like it's around the top five, top 10. So good for them. We look at Oregon. 
I don't think they have a chance. They, I think their playoff hopes are gone because this is they had such an easy schedule. But I mean, outside of Washington, I mean, they play Cal. They play Cal next. Home for Washington at Washington State at Arizona. Home for UCLA at Utah. Home for Arizona State at Oregon State. You're telling me they couldn't go, you know, seven and one in those games and finish ten and two? You don't think that was a good season considering? Uh, all the ter- the three coaches in three years and all that stuff. Oh, you are you asking a rhetorical question? <laughs> I'm asking yeah. you. I'm asking uh, you. I think, I think they win. They could definitely win out right now, and it's going to be a great season. And and you know the loss to Stanford was a tough loss. They battled hard. They looked good. But I mean, you, you probably got the number one pick in the NFL draft playing quarterback for you. So you know we we deserve no credit for that which we ought to do. You know what I mean. <laughs> Let me before we get off before we get off of this conversation. I want to ask you um, about Bryce Love. Now, this guy came in as a Heisman Trophy candidate, and he just hasn't really been that good. Um, and when I was watching him, it just seems like he doesn't have the same offensive line play in front of him as he had last year. Um, he kind of does like the Le'Veon Bell thing. He kind of sits there and waits for the hole to open and then explodes. He just hasn't looked that explosive. Now, he looked good on that touchdown run, but he had a huge hole through that. You know, What do you think the problem is with him? Is it injuries? Did he miss out on a big payday in the NFL? Is he? What do you think? Well, I mean, he did impress me on some run. There were some runs where it was like looked like it was going to be a three-yard gain, and he kept his legs moving and then popped out of the other end of the pile, and it was like a nine-yard gain. I, mm-hmm. I think some plays like that kind of went – you know, under the radar. I just think that Oregon had, or Oregon was in the backfield. It seemed like on every play, especially early in the game. I mean, didn't it? it I, f- I felt like they, I felt they were getting penetration and they were in his face. I mean, he still averaged, you know, five yards a carry and his four, longest carry was 20, yeah. 22 four, yards. 4.6. It was only 4.6. His best game was against USC. And I'm like, all right, he's back. You know, he ran for 136. Uh, and a touchdown on 22 carries. That's like six a carry. But, I mean, he's just not – like last year he was so dominant. He was so amazing. And, and this year it's just he, he looks – he does not look like the Bryce Love that we all know and love, you know? Well, for for me, he's always been an outside guy, a guy who does his damage, you know, on the perimeter. And uh, I did see a stat where, you know, his yards per carry when a fullback is in the game is is significantly higher. And I think that may be something Stanford might have to look at is getting him some – getting him another blocker. But uh, I, I still think he's fine. I, he's clearly not going to have a Heisman season. Uh, you know, he's no Ed, Ed Oliver. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, Mike Farrell's no know, I, Right. I think uh, – I think if uh, – if you're looking at a Heisman candidate out of this game, it's obviously Herbert, not yeah. Costello. Love. Costello may be in the mix. He had a great game, 19 for 26, 327 yards, three touchdowns, and no, no interceptions. He had a higher QBR than Justin Herbert in this one. So he looks like yeah, a guy. It's, cr- it's crazy how he can just loft it up to those tight ends and wide receivers, man. I mean, that's just a mismatch nightmare. He made um, some good throws, though. He really did, especially to, uh, to your boy. Uh, how do you say his name? Sega Whiteside, and and you're right, yeah. man. Caden Smith, that guy's just a he is the Stanford tree, you know. He's, he's just a big dude out there, and he's so he's so tough to bring down. I really like that guy. He's he's probably going to be a a top draft pick, right? Yeah, no, they got several NFL. Walker Little's going to be a first round pick. Their left tackle yeah, yeah, loves a pick. 
Costell is a pick. Uh, our Sega Whiteside is going to be a draft pick. I mean, so this is not, you know, people act like Stanford is just, you know, a bunch of nerds or whatever. They're loaded with NFL talent and former high recruits. So yeah. big win for them. We'll see how Oregon bounces back against Cal next week. Uh, well, let's get it moving, Dave. We, we spent a lot of time on the old Ducks and Cardinal. You know we don't talk that much Pac-12 on this show. Which so. we need to do. Pac-12 after dark is the best thing about college football. But moving on to uh, Alabama. I have a, I have a um, metaphor, if you will, for Alabama. Have you ever seen The NeverEnding Story? Yeah. All right. So, so college football is Fantasia, and Alabama is the nothing. And there is no there is no hopes for the Pac twelve or any other conference. All right? It's over. Call it a day. It's like they're playing NCAA football dynasty mode on beginner. If this doesn't stop just auto starting, I swear to God, I'm gonna sue ESPN. <laughs> All right. So <laughs> I agree with that. Alabama, the Golden State Warriors of college football, they beat Texas AM, who's number twenty two, by the way. This was probably the second most notable, you know, top twenty five matchup. They win a forty five to twenty three. Uh, to a uh, talk about a Heisman candidate, everyone laughed when he was Vegas had him ranked so high. Uh, you know, in terms of his odds for the Heisman, yeah, he's he got goes it. twenty-two of yeah, twenty-two of thirty for three eighty-seven and four TDs. I'd say he's clearly the Heisman front runner uh, so far, don't you think, Dave? <laughs> yeah, cosine, heavy cosine. Uh, yeah, now Ed Oliver is going to give him a run for his money, but uh, <laughs> I'd say it's between those two. If I were. <laughs> <laughs> I'm never going to stop that, by the way. So if you guys get tired of me saying it, I'm sorry, but I can't ever stop it because it's the stupidest thing ever to think a defensive lineman from Houston was going to win the Heisman Trophy. I'm well, sorry. Well, since we're going to, if we're going to be ridiculous, I'm putting Rondell Moore third. <laughs> yeah, please. Uh, yeah, a team that got a win, which we'll talk. Well, we won't talk about it because we only talk about top 25 Oh, no, sorry. We are talking about that because Boston College was number 24. But oh, you're we're, right. we're okay. in Alabama right. right now, brother. Okay, so uh, it's it's another – Alabama's rolling. I mean, I, I don't think we see a scenario in which they lose a game. I think I think we're pointing to what the LSU game should be big. I think they're going to beat them by a lot of points, and the Auburn game should be big, and I think they're going to beat them by a lot of points. So basically, are we, ca- are we counting down to the SEC title game between Georgia and Alabama now? Is it kind of like the Cavs-Warriors where we're just waiting for the finals? Now I'm just counting down till when Nick Saban retires, man, <laughs> at this point. Because <laughs> it's like, yeah, I guess you could count down to the playoffs if you want. But, I mean, they're not losing a game. And even if they do lose it, let's say they lose, oh, my God. Why is that playing? What? We can't hear it, Dave. Only you can hear it. So. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> All right. Anyway, what was I saying? Oh, yeah. So Alabama's going to win it all, and there's no point in doing any more college football coverage or podcasts or anything of that nature because it's just it's even if they lose a game, they're still going to go to the playoffs like they did last year, and they're going to they're going to dominate. And well, they didn't dominate Georgia. Georgia, I don't know. Did you see the Missouri game? We'll get back to it. I'm sorry, I got ADD jumping all over the place. <laughs> yeah, I see let's, that. Let's talk about Alabama's passing attack, shall we? Okay, fine. They had one, two, three, four receivers with over 50 yards. And then they had Damian Harris catch two for 48. So Tua had 20 they, – they, they completed 25 passes, right? Jalen came in and completed three. Tua completed 22 out of 30. So they had one, two, three, four, five, six, seven receivers with multiple catches, and Josh Jacobs had one. 
So they, they had eight different receivers catch a ball. They're just spreading it around. You don't know who to key on. You can't key on them because all of these guys, Devontae Smith, he's a number one somewhere else. Jerry Judy, he's a number one somewhere else. Henry Ruggs, he's a number one somewhere else. And they're all just playing in tandem out there, running all over the field. It's, it's, it's not fair. I, I just can't comprehend the level of talent. This is the best team we've ever seen. Am I, am I way too ahead of the curve? Oh, jeez. All right, let's 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 wait a little while. Let's wait uh, till we get farther down the road. I think they are very good. They're going to keep rolling teams. I do, I do think Texas A and M gave them a little bit of trouble. I think we should talk about Texas A and M absolutely because it appears that Jimbo Fisher is not as bad of a coach as you would have led us to believe, Dave. Uh, what do you think? I mean, based oh. on what we've seen him do at Texas A and M and what we've seen happen at Florida State. I would say he's a pretty good coach. I didn't say that Jimbo's a bad coach. <clears throat> I said the reason why Florida State fans were so mad at him was because of what transpired his final season there when he was already working on the deal with Texas A&M before the halfway mark of the season last year. He's a good coach. He's one of the what, the, what four active coaches that's won a national title. He's one of them. So obviously he's a good coach. Um, that being said, you know, let's not throw a parade yet because he's still two and two. Now, he didn't get his team soul crushed by Bama. Oh, and shout out to Jimbo for the backdoor cover because <laughs> I needed that. And you expertly took Texas A&M. Nick said uh, it was a bait. And you said, I take the bait easy. So good job on that. Nick, sorry about your luck. Um, I thought Kellen Mond was tough. Uh, Mike Farrell said, Mike Farrell says in two tweets, uh, number one is, you know, uh, the line's going to get Kellen Mond killed out here. And then also Kellen Mond is a gamer. So someone screenshots that and says, how are you going to say both of these things? He's like, cause both could be true, which I think they were true. He was out there getting killed. I think how many times did he get sacked? Eight. Yeah, he he took a he took a beating. I think there were seven official yeah, sacks. He was, he was under siege. He was getting rocked. Uh, Nick Star Starkle came in. Um, did, did did I didn't see the end of the game uh, because when it was over, I started watching other things. But did did Mon get hurt in this, or did they just pull him out so he didn't get hurt? Nah, I think they put yeah, I think they just put Starkle in because the game was a little bit out of hand. I do think I texted Nick during the game that I think that Kellen Mond is not ready to beat Alabama yet. But I, I could see – he gave them a lot of problems. He had 98 yards rushing even with those seven sacks counted yeah, yeah, in. So Yeah, that's a good day for him rushing. One, uh, 54 of that was on one play. But he, he also went 16 for 33 uh, through two picks. Um, but I, let me tell you something. I've been amazed at his development. I I, I think Texas A&M is, is still legitimately good. I think they're still a top 25 team. I think losing to the number one and number two teams in the country is nothing to be – you know, ashamed about, especially, right. uh, and, if, and they, you know, that game with Kentucky setting up to be big, they got to play South Carolina too. I mean, they, they still play a lot of good teams. I think they could still have a good year. I think they did have a brutal schedule. Even if they go eight and four, I'm happy if I'm a Texas A&M fan. Yeah, they're, they're battle tested. So they're going to be ready for the big games down the line, you know, um, and, you know, Alabama kind of takes people's soul, right? So Ole Miss, they blew Ole Miss out and they struggled with Kent State. You know, uh, they destroyed Louisville season. They destroyed, they destroyed Florida State season. They're, they're, they're the nothing, you know, they come through and they erase all hope and they shatter everything. And then you're left to pick up the pieces, you know, um, but with Texas A&M, it reminds me of like a smaller division, like one of those high school teams from a smaller class that plays up before division play starts and then they hit their division and they just roll everybody because they're battle tested. I, I see that same scenario happen here with Texas A&M. I think they win nine games I, for real. All right. Well, we'll see. But I think 
I I would be encouraged if I'm a Texas A&M fan, kind of like what I said about Oregon. Uh, moving on, let's kind of blow through some of these a little quicker. Georgia beats Missouri 43-29, to a game that was sort of not really that close, but was kind of close. I mean, Georgia's defense just came out and swarmed uh, early. Some some big mistakes from, you know, you can't make those type of mistakes where you're playing the number two team in the country. You know, the, the guy fumbles and, and gets it stripped. There was a return for a touchdown. Uh, Drew Locke, they were really – they clearly had it locked in. Let's knock the ball out of his hands. He made a couple mistakes. You know, they spent half the game talking about a crane. I don't know if you watched it, but they were just fixated on this crane. And it, at one point, you know, I think it was Brian Greasy or whatever was like, oh, it's a it's an 11-point – it's actually an 11-point game. And I was like, yeah, you guys, were, were, were you're not talking about the game at all. Stop talking about this stupid crane. I don't care if Todd McShay's up there or not. Uh, so Georgia, Georgia continues to look good. Um, they, they continue to look good. They continue to dominate people. And as I told people a thousand times, I, I did see someone recently tweeted at me saying I picked South Carolina. I picked South Carolina to cover that game. I never picked them to win. Right. Uh, I've been steadfast in saying that Georgia would be undefeated headed into that Auburn game. And I, I could see them easily going 12 and 0. I, I also don't understand. I, I saw a lot of people on Twitter yesterday because I, I think I clicked on Trevor Lawrence was trending. And I saw so many people being like, Justin Fields needs to be the quarterback. It's like, well, what has Jake Fromm done to deserve to be benched? Nothing. Take you within one play of winning a national title? And he, I mean, he's not even made any mistakes this season, in my opinion. Yeah, he only he threw a pick on the first drive of the game. I do remember that. But the offense, here's Georgia's win was a complete team win. It was uh, it was Beamer Bowl. You know, they had a special teams touchdown. They had a defensive touchdown. And then they scored uh, three touchdowns through the air courtesy of Jake Fromm, who should be benched for Justin Fields, according to said fan. Um, I think that Georgia is fine. I think they're a complete football team. Um, that The offense kind of wasn't as good as he wanted it to be. They didn't score a rushing touchdown. Holyfield had 90 yards rushing, Swift 71. But, you know, they were never out of control of this game, uh, despite the close score. Uh, big third quarter for Mizzou kind of, you know, made it look respectable. But, yeah, Georgia's straight. They're fine. Uh, they'll be playing – Alabama and the uh, SEC championship and probably again in the playoffs, maybe a repeat of this national championship from last year, which I hope because Georgia which, looks like the only team that can actually hang with Alabama. Talk about it. Yeah, exactly. They still have a couple games. They got LSU, they got Auburn, but um, you know, Georgia looks good. Missouri, it was rough. They get, they, like I said, you, you can't make those type of mistakes and expect to hang with a team like Georgia. I still think Missouri's good. I do not think Drew Locke is as good as Justin Herbert. I'm sorry. What do, what do you think? Yeah, in the pregame, the announcers were talking about this is a big scouting game for him. It's a big, it's probably the biggest game of his career as far as, you know, the next level is concerned. And he did not impress. He didn't throw a touchdown. He threw uh, an interception. He just – he didn't get the job done in front of the scouts. Um, he looked outclassed by that defense. He was – 23 for 48 with a 26.5 QBR for 221 yards and one interception. Just that's not going to get you drafted over Herbert. So no, no sir. Well, it, they they keep talking. I mean, McShay was like, but his his body language and really improved in the second half. It's like, well, that's cool. Aaron Rodgers has terrible body language, but you know what? <laughs> Hall of Fame. So what are we talking about? Uh, all right, moving on. Speaking of body language. The greatest quarterback of all time, uh, Trevor Lawrence, Clemson. They win 49-21 to at Georgia Tech, a game that – Clemson's got off to a lot of slow starts this season. This was another one 
Uh, Kelly Bryant got the hook. In comes Trev. 13 of 28 for 176 and four touchdowns. He did throw an interception. I think it was on a, a screen pass where it hit the back of the lineman's helmet or something like that. But, I mean, are we official? Is it over Is it over now or are we passing the torch? I mean, everyone had said – I had said four or five games. Trevor takes over as the quarterback. We are four games in. Does he start this week against Syracuse? Dave, what do you think? Ooh, quarterback controversy. I don't know. I don't know. Um, Kelly didn't Ke- – man, it's hard It's hard to keep that guy on the bench. I mean, <laughs> I, I would I would go ahead and say, Kelly, you know what? You're a good teammate. You're a good soldier. But um, – it's time. It's time for the Lawrence era to begin. But I think the thing that's really powering Clemson's uh, offense is uh, TNT, baby. Travis and Tavion, the two running backs. Those guys, uh, they, they're explosive players, um, great football players, good complement. Uh, so you know, they Travis had 11 carries for 122 yards and a touchdown. That's 11 yards a carry, and Tavion was eight carries, 75, nine yards a touch and a touchdown. So the running game is is like what's going to help them out which is great when you have a freshman quarterback right so i think it's time i I say go ahead throw my man uh the greatest football player of all time in there and uh call it a day and and roll with what you got for the next three years before he becomes the number one draft pick in the nfl and uh surefire hall of famer and maybe the greatest football player to ever live all right that's the attitude uh we can we can gloss over this one ohio state 49 to 6 over tulane in uh, Urban Meyer's return, Dwayne Haskins, who a lot of people think should be mentioned in that conversation with uh, Herbert and Locke, 21 of 24 for 304 and 5 TDs. Our friends at Tulane, Coach Willie Fritz, famously took me and Nick on an unofficial visit one time when we were on campus. They're 1-3 and three off to a rough start. I thought they were going to have a good season, so uh, you know, obviously they didn't stand a chance in this one. Uh, Ohio State's passing game continues to impress and, uh, you know, not so much based on, you know, the quarterback running. Haskins is a, is a pro-style quarterback, and he looks good. Uh, next, Oklahoma and Army. This was a crazy game. Went to overtime. Oklahoma struggled. They win 28-21, a game that nobody could watch because it was only on pay-per-view, uh, which was an odd thing that I didn't know still, used, still happened. It used to happen, you know, like 10 years ago. I'd have to buy games, especially Pac-12 games. You'd have to buy for like 30 bucks a pop uh, out on the West Coast. I'll I'll write more about that in my column, but yeah. Also, make it, sure you anything uh, Reddit uh, college football streaming <laughs> to counteract. Yeah, so it, it ended up people. A lot of people watched it via Twitch, which is a thing that people usually use to, to record themselves playing video games, and you can watch instead. People, it was just a dude filming his TV. Unfortunately, I didn't find it. Nobody, I tweeted asking for it. Nobody sent it to me, uh, so I just kind of let it ride. Oklahoma wins. Anything to is this just a Classic letdown, Dave, or we should Oklahoma fans be worried? No, it's just one of those weird things where Army was efficient and kept the ball away from them the whole game. When when, when uh, Oklahoma got the ball, they were ripping off big chunks, so they're fine. I mean, I wouldn't look into it. It's just one of those weird fluke games. You're you're you got a short week to prepare for Army, and uh, they run that that weird unorthodox offense, and sometimes it gets you. You know, nothing to see here. Move yeah. On. All right, keep it moving. I, I, I'm I'm still a little I'm still a tad dubious of Oklahoma. I've said it all year, so I'm still a tad dubious. Uh, LSU, another team that I'm a tad dubious of, wins 38 to 21 against Louisiana Tech. This game was actually a game in the fourth quarter. Uh, LSU or Louisiana Tech hung around. LSU put them away. 
uh, it was actually a pretty impressive game from from Louisiana Tech. But, but you're going to have that because you've got so many guys who mm-hmm. there there are so many players in Louisiana who it's basically like they're going to they're going to uh, they're going to LSU or they end up at like Louisiana Tech. I don't understand how there's like, you know, uh, quite a drop off there. It's just the way this the state works. Uh, Amik Robertson's one of the the famous players. He uh he was a 5-7 three star. LSU looked like they were going to take him. They didn't and he just went to Louisiana Tech. I don't know, you know, what where the other Power 5 schools are. LSU's linebackers, Jacob Phillips, our boy, former five star. Uh he had 13 tackles. Well, uh, one and a half for loss, one pass breakup, a quarterback hurry, Devin White, 11 tackles, one sack, two and a half for loss, three pass breakups. How's that for a pair of linebackers in the SEC, Dave? Yeah, that's not too shabby. So LSU continues to roll along, uh, but they're, they're, they're not making it easy on themselves. They are 4-0 and and the number six team in the country. Notre Dame, a team that everybody thought was going to lose, including uh, myself and Krug City. Uh, and me. They and blow out. Oh, you thought they were going to lose too? Yeah, I had them in my my very expensive pick on buy-in and uh, to no avail. Yeah, so Ian Book uh, takes over as the starter, and I don't think he's going to be giving that job up. The Brandon Wimbush era appears to be over, right, Dave? Yeah, to much chagrin to a couple uh, Notre Dame guys on Twitter who vehemently defend him uh, at all costs. But yeah, I think that's done. A book came in there; they just clicked. Wake Forest isn't Wake Forest defense isn't the same defense that we're accustomed to. Uh, Boston College put up a ton of points on them, and we watched Boston College sputter against Purdue. More about that later. Um, I don't know, man. I, I, I Notre Dame versus Stanford is is going to be the litmus test for me for both of those squads, and uh, that's probably the game of the week next week. So you're going to have to get whoever you think's going to lose, get them to do the podcast next week. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I guess I will line up someone from Notre Dame. We'll put it that oh. way. Uh, I, I, uh, the fact that Wimbush didn't even play Yurkovic came in late tells me that he might be on his way out of town. As we see a lot of these guys transferring, as we talked about before we started recording. I mean, do you think he's going to sit around there for another year or for for this year when? Basically, this is his career. He's a senior, right? Yeah, quarterbacks tend to transfer a lot. So, looking at the trend, I, I would think that he would leave. Right? I mean, yeah, I think, I think, I think he, I'm saying he might leave. He might leave like now. As we're recording, I mean? he might uh, be putting in his paperwork. I agree. Because it's week right. four, right? So, he has to make that move now, right? Yeah, and I think if he leaves now, he would have two years of eligibility remaining. I'm not Yeah, the sure. way I believe the transfer rule is if you transfer now, you get this year as a red shirt. So this year would count as a red shirt, and then he'd have the next year too. So he'd have two years. What well, year right. is he? He's a junior, right? I think he's a red shirt junior, but Notre Dame doesn't do red shirts, so he's listed as a senior on their roster. So if I were if I so he might that I would ever encourage him. Either way, either he way, don't. I think he's a goner, uh, personally. Yeah. Cause I think he already redshirted. So yeah. All right. I, I, I think so. He, I, I, I'm not sure if, if, if he, if he can leave, he's leaving. Uh, we don't, this, this is, this rule is new to all of us. So Notre Dame keeps rolling. You mentioned they play in the game of the week. Auburn kind of messed around with Arkansas a little bit. They went 34 to three. They've had a lot of guys. They've had six players leave actually. Uh, boy, Arkansas, they have a lot of problems in special teams. I think they gave up a kickoff return touchdown, of course, after that punt last week against North Texas. 
they are definitely in the conversation. We mentioned some of the worst power five teams uh, before we started recording. It's, it's crazy to think two of them are in the SEC in Arkansas and Tennessee. Uh, Auburn, they haven't looked super sharp. Do you, do you think they're the number nine team in the country? Mm, no. No, I don't. Um, they lost, yeah. they lost I, to LSU, uh, you know, in unceremonious last – well, very ceremonious last field goal fashion. Um, yeah, I don't know, man. They're, they're still a mystery to me. Stidham's kind of up and down. Uh, Malzahn's offense doesn't look like Malzahn's offense. They, they they struggled against Arkansas offensively. I mean, they, they didn't do anything offensively, really. I don't think they had any passing touchdowns. It was all – Stidham had a rushing touchdown. Whitlow had three yards to carry, two touchdowns, 13 carries, 49. Woof. They ran for two and a half yards per carry against Arkansas's defense. So, yeah, I'm not, they're not number nine. They're, they're pretenders. Yeah, they are. Uh, I don't know. Something just doesn't look right. I expect, I think I picked them. Did I pick them? No, Nick picked them to be in the playoff. So they just don't quite look. And, of course, they have this weird streak where they haven't won back to 10 games in back-to-back seasons in like since like the early 90s or something like that, or it's been it's been forever. And uh, I think they may be, you know, looking at a, at a you know, nine and three season, the way their schedule breaks, still having to play Georgia oh. and Alabama. Yeah, it's not good for them. So, but Raheem Boyd, our boy from Last Chance U, eight carries, 66 yards. And he had two catches for 39 yards, so over 100 yards total offense for for Rakim. Good for him. Mm, congratulations. All right, moving on. Washington beats Arizona State 27-20 in a game that actually kept me up to like 130 before I finally called it. Uh, Washington, another team that hasn't looked super sharp. I think that game with Oregon looms large for them. That's going to be a fun one to watch. They also still play Stanford, as mentioned. So a couple of big games. Arizona State, the Herm. The Herm celebration is is over, sadly, as they're 2-2. Two and two. I saw someone say they were slumping, and they lost by seven points at Washington, the number 10 team in the country. That's not slumping. Yeah, they're fine. Don't disrespect opinion. the legendary Herm Edwards. Uh, Manny Wilkins was not good. He just was not making plays. Uh, that Washington defense carries them. I think Washington's fine. I, don't, I wouldn't count them out yet. Uh, I think, you know – I don't know. They're they're not they're not playoff bound, but they're still a decent team. Their defense is keeping them in games. Browning makes plays. Um, I I still think Stanford is the king in the Pac-12. Yeah, and I, like I said, I think Stanford. I would agree with you, and I think it's between Washington and Oregon for second. I don't even think Washington is necessarily, you know, uh, the 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 true number two until they, they beat Oregon in that game. Uh, West Virginia, Kansas State, West Virginia kills them. I had Cassidy sent me a screenshot of one of his college buddies from Kansas State who said, Rob didn't watch the game. He said, what happened? His friend said, we are beyond horrible. So uh, that's your analysis there. What about West Virginia? Uh, David Sills. Are they a contender? I, I think they are. I like them better than Auburn and Washington. What's crazy is their over-under for the year was like seven and a half or something at the beginning of the season. Uh, they're number 12. They're hovering around the top 10. I think, yeah, I think if I, I think they're very much uh, still a contender. They got some tough games to Who play, but that, that, um, well, you know, everybody plays everybody in the, in the uh, big 12, right, so they got, like they a real got, conference. They got um, Oklahoma. They got to play TCU, Oklahoma State, Oklahoma to close the year. Yeah, I like them. To, I and like, Texas. Before. I like them to mm, – Texas, I don't know about them. But I, I like them to beat everybody. Oklahoma is going to be the one true matchup for them. Um, 
so I think that West Virginia might be looking at, you know, knocking off Oklahoma with the new Baker Mayfield and Will Greer, who was fantastic. Uh, he, he completed 25 or 35, 356, five touchdowns, did throw two picks, but I bet Florida really misses old Will Greer. <laughs> um, Marcus Sims, David Sills, they got, they got some guys, man. I, I, they're explosive offense. Uh, Dana Hologram is a good coach. Shout out to Luke Campbell. Um, so I'm a big fan, a big fan of West Virginia this year, uh, making a push. Well, they'll probably drop one of those knucklehead games though. Like they always do every year and <laughs> make me look like an idiot, but I, I'm high on West Virginia and I'll put them over Washington and Auburn at this point. All right. Number 13, Virginia tech loses to old dominion. They're playing at old dominion, which is bizarre. I think they actually signed some long-term agreement to play there like every other year or something. So, uh, <laughs> old dominion was 0 and three. They beat him 49 to 35. Uh, Virginia Tech's quarterback got hurt and it looked bad. Um, he was on crutches. I think they carted him off. And that happened late in the game. It was still, it wasn't like, you know, that happened early and they lost. Right. I mean, it was. It was tied when uh, he was hurt. Also, was 28-28 when he got hurt, I think. Right. And, and Old Dominion actually benched their starter after the first series and put in uh, the backup who threw for 495 yards and four touchdowns. Yeah. How bad would this make, Dave? How bad does this make Florida State fans feel about how bad their offense looked considering Old Dominion threw for 500 well, yards? Well, first and foremost, the backup's name is Blake LaRussa, so throw some some speck on that. Um, I think Florida State fans feel horrible. Um, they've been feeling horrible. Uh, they got pasted by Syracuse. Their offensive line is in tatters. Um, I read a lot of articles about, you know, the destruction of their offensive line due to injuries. They're basically rotating guards at tackle. And, uh, I, you know, thoughts and prayers to DeAndre Francois and his health. It's going to be a long season for them. Um, luckily for them, they have Louisville coming up next week, who's just as hapless. But, yeah, you feel pretty bad when the team that dominated you, <laughs> uh, well, held you to three points, right? Uh, gets beat by Old Dominion, 49-35. to 35. But also, listen, Old Dominion is one of those, like, Louisiana Tech versus LSU things where it's a bunch of kids from, you know, 757, a very talent-rich area out there in Virginia where it's like, you know, the drop-off, you're either at Virginia Tech or somewhere big or you're at Old Dominion, you know. So they went out there, they wanted it, and uh, they, they, look, they beat them. They beat them down. So I don't know what that says for Virginia Tech's direction going forward. Was this just an aberration? Was it a fluke? Uh, I don't know. You know, the quarterback's out now. A lot of questions down there in Charlottesville. So we'll see. Well, and it uh, turns out that uh, Trevon Hill, who's one of their best defensive linemen for Virginia Tech, just got dismissed from the team this morning, according to Justin Fuente. He's got three and a half sacks on the year. So Why did he uh, do that? things that are a little – no, they didn't say what he did, but th- things are in disarray uh, after that loss for Virginia Tech. So, uh, Kentucky, let's talk about this one, Dave. We got to get we, you're you're long winded today, so uh, we're trying to keep this under an hour. Kentucky beats Mississippi State twenty eight to seven. Really pulled away in the fourth quarter. Uh, they scored two touchdowns late. Benny Snell looking like a beast. Twenty five carries, one hundred sixty five yards, and four touchdowns. They held Nick Fitzgerald in check. Uh, Terry Wilson doing his thing. And maybe after we saw Florida just dominate uh, Tennessee, you know, maybe Kentucky's good. Is, is Kentucky actually good? They're going to be in the top 25. They're 4 0. Yeah, I think they got, I think they finished the season with, you know, eight or nine wins. Uh, I think they lose to AM. So they got South Carolina coming up. That's a tough one. I think they roll at Louisville. 
Um, so big year for Bob Stoops getting over the hump. Uh, Terry Wilson is going to be the deciding factor on that. He wasn't very good against Mississippi State, but they kept the, they kept it on the ground heavily, 47 carries as opposed to 14 throws. Um, so, you know, we're going to see. The storyline for this was the trash talk between uh, Kylan Hill and Benny Snell all week. And uh, if you get a chance to go on Kylan Hill's Twitter, check that out. Read the mentions. It's pretty funny if you're a Kentucky fan or just a fan of trash talk in general. So that's a good one. Um, yeah, Kentucky looks legit. Yeah, I think they are going to be in the mix for the second best team in the SEC East behind Georgia. Obviously, they're going to get a shot at Georgia, though. So they, they control their own destiny, nope. Dave. Kentucky. The undefeated juggernaut that is the Kentucky Wildcat football. Cats. I, I do think it's worth noting that they stuck with Stoops, uh, you know, all this time. And it's sort of paying dividends. A lot of these schools are in such a hurry to fire coaches after two or three years. And I mean, what was I'm trying to remember their their record by year since, he, six, since he started. Six it's like six and seven wins, seven wins, six wins, which is really good. Right. And they were happy. And they, right. Because it's low right. standards, you know. Well, and it's not it's not an issue of no standards. No, I it's, said low. low it's low. sometimes oh low. I thought you said no. So they went two and ten, five and seven, five and seven. There are a lot of schools that would have fired him after that third year, don't you think? Uh yeah, but not at Kentucky. Then he goes seven and six. Seven and six, and they actually finished tied for second in 2016 when they went I mean, seven and six. Team, which this is a team crazy. that never wins SEC games, so he came in there, won a couple SEC games. They got something to hang their hat on. It's a it's a basketball school, so you know you you escape you escape notice. You're under the radar. It's like oh, we won five games. That ain't so bad. Oh, we almost beat Florida. They cheated us because the clock expired and he threw a touchdown and sent it to overtime. You know, those things go on and it's just like you see this gradual increase of wins and then you get SEC wins. You beat South Carolina a couple of times and then all of a sudden you got some job security and they let you, they give you a little bit of rope. There's there's not high expectations there. So that's what it is. Um, and they got a good defense. I mean, they, uh, Josh Allen is a guy, man. And Cash Daniels has stepped up. I mean, they've got, they've got a good, talented defense. They shut Mississippi State down, son. Like Mississippi State ran for 56 yards on 28 carries. That's a good running team. They averaged two yards a carry. Nick Fitzgerald, 4.5 yards of completion. That's terrible. Like they literally just shut everything Mississippi State was trying to do Damn. So props to them. They'll be ranked next week uh, for the first time since, I don't know, like the Gerald Ford administration. I don't know. But, yo, props. <laughs> well, congrats to them. Mississippi State, I think, I think I would be a little nervous just because of the gauntlet schedule they have. I think this was a game a lot of people counted as a win. They looked so good early in the year. They got Florida next week, and that looks like it's going to be a game, although I'd still think Mississippi State wins. Then they got Auburn, LSU, Texas A&M. Louisiana Tech, Alabama. So they have they're coming up on a gauntlet schedule as they try to, you know, hang around. I, I think they're a fringe top twenty-five team though at this point. Uh Texas Tech pulls a big upset, 41 to 17 against Oklahoma State. Just dominated them. A little bit of a hangover for Oklahoma State after the big win against uh Boise State. But, you know, Texas Tech, we were ready, we had them dead and buried. I mean, Dave, you don't know this, but Last December, we had all the coaching content ready for when Kingsbury was going to get fired. And after week one, we were like, hey, we got to get that uh, content. Let's get that stuff pulled up, see what we can yeah. <laughs> see what we can do. We were ready. And next thing you know, they're 41 to 17. They're killing people. They're, they're winning big games, and they're 1-0 in the big game. Can't 12. fire Ryan Gosling. Get out of here. But, uh, yeah, that was a big shocker. I took Texas Tech Red Raiders to win that. Shout out to my clairvoyant skills. 
Um, and yeah, they, they just ran roughshod all over uh, Oklahoma State uh, after the big win against Boise State, the group of five team. So yeah, man. Hey. Uh, Alan Bowman, the quarterback there, looks like a stud. He former Rivals Camp Series uh, MVP, which Kruger didn't make a four star. What were you thinking, Nick? We gave him the MVP at the camp. How do you not rank him? Sleeping on him, coach. Uh, he- yeah, he throws for 397 and two touchdowns. Great job by him. Tylen Wallace put up big numbers for Oklahoma State in a uh, in a losing effort. TCU in Texas. Boy, the, I was all over this one, Dave. I don't know if I actually picked it on the podcast. I'd have to check. But in my private life with Nick, I told him Texas is going to win, and he said, you know, Texas stinks. There's no way they're going to mm. win. Uh, oh, yeah, we didn't pick that game, so that's why. Uh, Texas beats them 31-16, to 16, and they're showing signs of promise as well. I think – I, I personally thought TCU was overrated. I think the game they played against Ohio State was fine, but you know Nick and I are famously not sold on their quarterback. He struggled yesterday, threw two picks. Actually, got I think he did he get hurt or did he get pulled late in the game? I'm not sure. I didn't watch that um, very much because I saw Texas was in control. Uh, but yeah, Michael Collins came in. I, I don't I don't know what happened to to Sean Robinson, your favorite player. He had a 37 QBR, well, which wasn't good. You, you're big on QBR. I don't even know what a good QBR. How high does the scale go? Uh, I think it was up to 100, 120, something like that. But <laughs> look, look, look. Here, here's the bottom line. Here's the bottom line, though, right? If your QBR is 37, it's not a good day for you. <laughs> I, don't care what the, I don't care what the method section says. It's, it's 37 is not good, bro. Like Sam Ellinger got a 65.3, which I guess would be you know fair to middling. But Sean Robinson, man, oof, yeah. bro. Texas defense looked really good. Gary Johnson had a big game. And uh, I think I think Texas will be back in the top 25 after a couple of wins over top 25 teams, even though USC is not going to be in the top 25 anymore. They play Kansas State next, who is uh, beyond horrible, has their own fan bases, I've said. And then they play Oklahoma in the Red River rivalry. That's going to be a fun game. You and I are the same, Dave. We just root for fun games. So that'll Absolutely. be a fun one. Uh, Wisconsin wins twenty eight to seventeen against yeah, that Iowa. That was not a fun game, by the way. How did they? How did it end up at twenty eight? I guess I turned it off when I thought Iowa was down one score and they had the ball, and were were uh, some reason I thought Iowa had the ball driving, uh, and they threw an interception. I thought the game was over. I guess I shut it off. I didn't think it was an eleven point game. I thought they it was were running a one the clock out. And, uh, Running back broke a big long touchdown, thirty-three yard touchdown run. Um, was, ah, see, I yeah, totally it was missed twenty-two this seconds it, it's left, pretty, so it, it didn't. It you know, it, it didn't matter. Yeah, so it might have mattered if you had the over in Did that it? game. No, it was four. It was a it was a push, right? I thought it was a four point spread. Was it three? Was the it number, three? The number I had was forty-two point five. Oh, 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 no, and okay. they. And they hit four. What? What, what is twenty-eight plus 25. seventeen? Forty-five. Ouch! Wow. Yes. I thought. Uh, who would know? Pleasant, pleasant surprise for me because I uh, picked <laughs> See, that. Twenty dollars in your and pocket. I didn't even, and, 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 right. <laughs> who would have known? Anybody that checked you? The late <laughs> like me right now. <laughs> Well, think about it. I saw the guy throw the pick, and then I was like, they're just going to kneel it out. I Because, ch- you know, I got five TVs running over here, Dave. I got to get to the next game. Kirk French um, called his bookie real so quick and was like, hey, defense, lay down. Let this guy score. 
Yeah, yeah. Let's let's give up one. Iowa does look good, though. I think Iowa's a, I think Iowa is a is a pretty good team. Going there to play is tough, and they really had this game. It just slipped through their fingers oh. uh, in, in the second half and the fourth quarter. Really, they had the fourth. They had to lead going into the fourth quarter, seventeen I've to fourteen. Got a, I've got uh, a, I've got a good Iowa recruiting visit story. Old school story for you for another podcast. Remind me. Don't let me forget to tell you this. It's Kyle Williams and Willie uh, Willie Williams. Okay, good, t- good tease, Willie Williams. They're both in yeah, we got, right well, now. There needs to be a. Can we get a thirty for thirty on on our boy Willie? Wisconsin, I, I don't know, dude. I, I really don't know. I, they're set, they're setting up for a nice game with Michigan uh, in a couple weeks, but they play Nebraska uh, after their bye, and I don't know. No, obviously Nebraska looks terrible, but I think that might end up being a fun game. I think I would say I would say keep your eye on that one. Keep your eye on the point spread in that one. That might be. A you see the Wendy's one. tweet about Speaking uh, of, Scott Frost. <laughs> Yeah, I saw it. it. Let me tell you something. If I did that, I, I would be on conference calls all day today because I'd be in trouble. So I think Wendy's uh, got a little got a little out of pocket. But they don't cover uh, football. They don't cover one. college football. They're straight. Yeah, we'll see about that. And Nebraska fans are not to be true, trifled true. with. Uh, they they lose fifty six to ten. Everyone's saying, "Oh, Scott Frost is a disaster." Guess what? Scott Frost went to to Nebraska, went to Michigan with UCF, and lost by fifty you know, two years ago and then went undefeated the next year. I'm still not worried. Michigan looks good though. They're, ru- they're running game, killing it. Donovan Peoples-Jones looking great looking on slow punt returns. on that punt return, by the way. <clears throat> hey, we, <laughs> he, he, he definitely looked like he, he definitely looked like he was lumbering, but I think that was just the way he was, uh, that was his approach as he was uh, waiting for the lanes to open up. Sometimes, you know, it's a marathon, not a sprint. It's a tortoise in the hare situation. He scored the touchdown. Uh, and Michigan, as I mentioned, they keep they keep rolling along. Uh, I think they're kind of getting things figured out. Miami, 31-17. to Nikosi Perry comes in, takes over the job uh, in the mid- early against uh, FIU. I think he's the quarterback now. I think the Malik Rozier era is over. What say you, Dave? Uh, co-sign that. Moving right along to the to the number one topic I've been waiting to get to all day. Let's go. Let's get it. Okay, Purdue uh, beats Boston College, who was who was number twenty three, which I had no idea they were ranked that high. Uh, Thirty to thirteen. Uh, Dave's boy Rondell Moore, eight catches, one hundred ten yards, and two touchdowns, uh, including one that wasn't a touchdown and somehow didn't get overturned. Uh, <laughs> what happened um, on that? What happened on that is Rondell Moore squats 600 pounds and the DB jumped on his back and he got his knee. I, I was watching the replay and I did see a sliver of light between his knee pad and the grass and he just pressed the kid, flings him off and then uses the four, three speed to just outrun everybody down the field for a touchdown. Boston college was never the same after that. They were in awe and, uh, Purdue rolls, Jeff Brom, start the Jeff Brom hype back up. Uh, Purdue Boilermakers are back. Um, they, they, there are a few penalties and bad, bad decisions away from being three and one and not one and three. So, uh, yeah, big things, big things coming for you out in West Lafayette. They should be three and three headed into the Ohio State game as they play Nebraska in Illinois next. Boston College, they're a good team, but you know, I don't think. We need to worry about them uh, <laughs> hanging around. Top. AJ Dillon's a good. He got player, shut down but, by the vaunted Purdue you know, defense. However, nineteen carries for fifty nine right, yards. Not, Oof. 
Right, not a good look, especially considering the type of uh, yards they give up in the first three games. Michigan State goes and beats Indiana 35-21 in another game where if you were smart, you took the over. Uh, Michigan State's kind of lumbering along. I actually don't think Indiana's that bad. They're 3-1, and one, and they were in this game late until Michigan well, they, State they, put they, them they away. They kind of got two but, late touchdowns. They were actually getting blown out going into the fourth quarter. It was 28-7, to seven and they got two touchdowns in the fourth to kind of claw back, but Michigan State did put them away. Michigan State lost to, to Herm Edwards and them, legendary Herm Edwards and them. So uh, I'm not a big fan of Michigan State. Uh, they're, they're, they bore me. Uh, BYU messed around, uh, beat McNeese 30-3. It was, it was tight early. Let me ask you this. How does BYU go to Wisconsin and win and has one loss – and they're number 25, and Wisconsin is number 18. Explain that to me, Dave. Uh, fuzzy math. I don't know. Yeah, why, should, why shouldn't they, – they should be ranked ahead of them. I don't get it. Like, I, I don't get how this happens. It'd be – you beat the team, you're above them, especially if you have the same amount of wins and losses. Well, who, who I'm sorry. BYU so, play BYU. Have they? I don't care who they play. They beat the team head-to-head. Isn't that, isn't that why you play the games? Uh they lost to Cal twenty-one to eighteen. They beat Arizona in the other game. So that so they've played three Power Five teams. Wisconsin has beaten. Uh, let's. Who do you think Wisconsin's beaten? Western Kentucky, in New Iowa. Mexico, and Iowa. One Power Five All right. team. You're very you're very passionate about uh, BYU. I like I like when Woody gets fired up. I right, I agree. You saw yeah, me, brother. You saw, you're like Desmond Howard. Desmond Howard sold me that Josh Herbert gonna be the number one pick in the draft. You and Desmond Howard, great salesman. They're only ranked ahead of them because Wisconsin started the season ahead of them in an imaginary poll based on nothing. That's why the, the polls are stupid. Um, uh, you know what? Did we? You know who we didn't talk about? I, I we we didn't talk about UCF beating FAU fifty six to thirty six in a game. It definitely wasn't How'd as you close. Your alma uh, bro. I was on. It was on Friday, so that's why I hate oh, Friday night college games. With Kenzie Mill- either. Yeah, well, that's what I'm saying. We're going to run through around. some of these real quick. USC's USC's not in the top 25. So yeah, but talk was about it? Was it? Uh, no, neither one of them are ranked here, according to what I'm Travis looking at. Um, and Penn State blows at Illinois 63 to 24. Game that was kind of close early. Did you I did, watch any and then of that? They just they went berserk in like the third quarter. Miles Sanders is uh, filling in admirably for Saquon Barkley on the offense. He had 200 yards rushing. Uh, He's he's looking good. Um, McSorley's a guy. Uh, the, the receivers they have, Hamlin and them, they're they're really good. Um, I, I don't know. Are they are they they're playing Ohio State this week? That's a big game. So the two games of the week: Penn State, Ohio State, and uh, Stanford and Notre Dame. Who, who are you going to get on? Are you going to? You might have to call uh, call Ryan Snyder or somebody to get him out here. Well. Uh, no, <laughs> that's no for me. Uh, do you know the number three game of the week? Do you know what it is, Dave? You don't even know. It's BYU at Washington. Oh. Watch out! Here come the. Yeah, that's a top twenty-five matchup. A team that should be ranked higher. BYU against number ten Washington. Upset alert! Watch, watch the old point spread on that one. Um, uh, you mentioned the other two games, Ohio State, Penn State. I think it's going to be a fun one. My early leanings would be to give it to Ohio State because I don't think Penn State's looked that impressive. Stanford, Notre Dame, I like Stanford in that one, especially if uh, you know Costello can play like he's been playing those big tight ends and wide receivers. I think 
Uh, I'm not super sold on Notre Dame's secondary. So uh, I like that one. You got anything to say about those two before we wrap no, up? No, I'm in agreement with you on those. All right, it's 1230. We went an hour. I got yard work to do. I got a column to write. I got I got Max, uh, who, who uh, you know, is a kid in neighborhood coming over. So we got to go. Uh, we'll be back on it uh, with a new episode on Thursday. I don't know if Dave. I don't know if you'll be on there. Maybe we'll get Cassidy back. You think we can get Cassidy to come back on the 50, show? Fifty shot. If not, give me a call, man. Okay. All right. Thanks for listening. Tell a friend. Leave us a review. We'll be back on Thursday.